from KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, a Butte County judge yesterday imposed a $3.5 million fine on PG&E for causing the 2018 campfire that killed 84 people. The sentence came after dozens of victims' family members spoke of their loved ones and after PG&E CEO Bill Johnson entered 84 guilty pleas. We look at whether the events have spurred real change at the utility. Then, to commemorate Juneteenth, dozens of theaters in the Bay Area and nationwide have collaborated to bring a thought-provoking play about race into people's homes tonight. We'll talk with the playwright and the project leader about the holiday celebrating the end of slavery in this moment of heightened attention to systemic racism. Join us. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This week, the CEO of PG&E, Bill Johnson, entered 84 individual guilty pleas for causing the 2018 campfire, which claimed 84 lives and destroyed the town of Paradise. And I've heard the pain and anguish of many of the victims as I've visited Paradise. As they've described the loss, they continue to endure and the wounds that can never really heal. And no words from me can ever reduce the magnitude of that devastation. Dozens of victims' family members spoke during the court proceedings, remembering their loved ones and recounting their last moments before a Butte County judge imposed a $3.5 million fine on PG&E. Critics say the punishment is too lenient, given that PG&E has been linked to a number of disasters since 2015. With concerns about an intense wildfire season before us, we look at this week's events and whether the utility has fundamentally changed. We're joined by Mike Ramsey, District Attorney for Butte County. Thanks for being with us. Uh, you're welcome. Also with us is Lily Jamali. She's co-host and correspondent for KQED's The California Report. Hi, Lily. Thanks so much for having me, Mina. Thanks for being here, Lily. I know you watch the proceedings closely on live stream. Could you give us, uh, just first explain sort of where, what the proceedings are, where we are in uh, the cases that are before PG&E, and then also just your assessment of what you saw? Absolutely. Well, this week has really been a clash of, sh of sorts between the company's past and its future. And the future is really being decided in the bankruptcy court right now, where Judge Dennis Mentali signed off on PG&E's plan to get out of bankruptcy. So that's imminent. Um, and to some, that process has been rushed. Uh, and the plan is controversial among a certain group of fire survivors. But the judge's reasoning is that he really doesn't have a choice but to sign off in the sense that if he were to drag things out, PG&E would be in limbo and fire survivors would have to wait even longer to get paid. Um, and so while that's playing out, at the same time in Butte County this week, we had the company reckoning with its past, uh, the campfire fallout. We had CEO Bill Johnson entering the company's 85 guilty pleas, 84 of them for involuntary manslaughter. That was followed by heart-wrenching testimonials from fire victims and, of course, sentencing. And, and we knew going into this that nobody at PG&E was going to be serving jail time for the campfire. They're going to pay a $4 million fine, $3.5 million. And I think that the amount of the fine is disappointing. It's the maximum that was allowed. But I spoke with a survivor named Cheryl Maynard. Um, here's what she had to say when I asked her if she felt like justice had been served for the Great people They need to pay for their actions, but they don't. And then they continue to do it in the next town. 
this needs to stop. And even there, you know, with this this fine, PG&E has eroded any trust that was left by trying to engineer a way to pay that fine from a trust that had been set aside uh, for compensation of victims. So, um, you know, optics there were not particularly positive. So, Mike Ramsey, this is, uh, for lack of a better word, basically the conclusion of the criminal case against PG&E? That's correct. That's a case that the criminal investigation started the day after the fire, after uh, Cal Fire investigators came to my office and said uh, that they discovered a broken piece of equipment. And so we started right then an investigation that led to a grand jury impanelment and then led to the indictment on March 17th and yesterday, finally, the sentencing on the 85 counts. And three and a half million dollars, I mean, it really doesn't three. sound like a lot. Talk about All why three. three and a half is what you pursued. That beca because that is the maximum that California, in its rather schizophrenic uh, handling of corporations, does. California law allows uh, corporations to be treated as persons. From a prosecutor's standpoint, that's, that's good. So we have bad corporations like PG&E that we can prosecute. But when it's treated like a person, it also gets person-like fines. So the fine, maximum fine for killing someone, manslaughter, is $10,000. Maximum fine for starting a fire uh, is $50,000. Um, so the total of the base fine here was 890000 Then once you add on the various state fees, it gets up to about $3.5 mm. But that's, what's, that's the ceiling that we were stuck with in this. Yes. It's rather unusual, though, isn't it, for a CEO, a company CEO, to have to stand and enter individual guilty pleas. How did that come about? Uh, we asked the judge mm -hmm. to make sure that it would be an individual plea per count, per individual that was killed by PG&E, to bring the gravity uh, forward, not uh, the usual, okay, how do you plead to this particular indictment, uh, 85 counts, guilty, Your Honor, and then move on. No, we wanted it to be done that way also in the courtroom, uh, the CEO Johnson was facing a large screen that had uh, each victim's face come up as that count came up, and he entered his plea. And Lily Jamali, as someone who observed that, do you think it did have that effect? Yeah, I think it was. Um, it was a powerful moment, and. Um, uh, you know, I, I think also having the photos of victims being um, displayed um, at various points in these proceedings also, you know, served a purpose. Um, you know, an apology goes a long way also, and we did hear apologies from the CEO who is leaving. Bill Johnson will be out in about two weeks, um, and the interim CEO also um, apologized. And believe it or not, you know, people hear that and um, it does carry some weight. Um, but I think people are also looking for accountability. And that's where yes. we had 
these incredible victims' testimonials from people who lost loved ones um, in this in this fire. They were each given about five minutes to speak, and a lot of them took not just the time to speak about the person that they lost in in tragic fashion, um, but they also took the opportunity to be in the room with PG&E executives with the spotlight on victims to say, you know, this is your rap sheet and, you know, PG&E, your culture has been problematic and this is how it has led to reckless behavior. And you had this, you know, incredible set of uh, testimonials where people in some cases were really pleading with executives to change, to turn the company around in that sense. And we have a cut from a campfire survivor, Sky Sedwick. Let's hear that now. I can't express here today how much he is missed by so many. He was a bit eccentric and certainly marched to the beat of his own drum. I hope and pray his legacy didn't entirely burn that day. It is this culture of apathy, neglect, and greed that has become synonymous with PG&E. And I wonder what will it take for that to change? How many more have to die? That, of course, as Sky said, we're talking about her family member that she lost in the fire. And Mike Ramsey, I mean, you touched on this earlier, but why PG&E was found guilty was in part because they had repeatedly failed to maintain this transmission line that broke from a very old tower that ignited this fire. Sky Sedwick asks this question of whether or not, you know, more people have to die. You have been prosecuting PG&E for two years now or more. I mean, do you think that the company is making the changes that I'm sure in your view it must to be a safe company for the public? It is, I'm the eternal optimist, and I, I have to believe that they are. But the realist and the sardonic part of me, unfortunately, we heard some of these same statements back in the San Bruno day. Uh, back in the Butte Fire day, um, and these you know words have impact, but actions mean more. It does appear from as we were doing our investigation, and of course tan- tangentially would see where things are changing, that there will be a new day. Um, CPUC has now stepped up much more than they have in the past. There are independent monitors that have been appointed by the state and by the governor to do much more of an inspection, an audit, as it were, of PG&E. So mm. we, we can only hope that we need to go forward. Well, let me, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, let me just see what our listeners think and invite them to join the conversation. What is your reaction to what you are hearing? And also, uh, do you think PG&E has fundamentally changed or is changing as a result of these dramatic and very tragic events? The number to call 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Uh, This is a half-hour segment, so the time to call is now. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. 
And Lily Jamali, I mean, you wanted to add something. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, when I look back at the proceedings in the Butte County Superior Court this week, one of the most powerful moments for me was watching uh, District Attorney Ramsey um, explain the findings of the investigation, the grand jury investigation. And at the very end of his comments, he he looked over at PG&E executives and said, you know, if you didn't know about, I'm paraphrasing here, but if you didn't know about the problems inside your company before, you do now. You know, it's laid out in extensive detail in this report. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to be watching um, in the months and years ahead to see if that report uh, that you all produced there in Butte County, uh, DA Ramsey, is going to be a prosecutorial tool that leads to, um, you know, to changes in behavior. And if those changes don't occur, um, if individual serving time is is going to be something that is um, that is more in the realm of possibility than it might have been without that report. And remind us of the um, the liabilities that PG&E still faces, especially in the civil cases that are before it. Lily Jamali. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by the civil cases. Oh, Forgive me. Well, in terms of the civil suits um, for victims, Mike Ramsey sure. or, or Lily Jamali, either one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I can quickly say that uh, when you say civil, those are civil cases that have been filed that have been taken into the bankruptcy court. And there has been a, an agreement that PG&E will pay $13.5 billion dollars in the uh, restitution, as it were, to right. those those victims. That's not just campfire, though. That is uh, the North Bay fires and some other smaller fires that uh, have occurred in 2017, 2018. Right. That's exactly so right. And, and by going into bankruptcy, basically all of those cases were effectively halted until, you know, they had this settlement take place. Well, let me go to some callers, and we'll go to Paul in Sebastopol. Hi, Paul. Hi. Uh, despite the egregious safety issues that PG&E has been responsible for, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that over the years, and including present time, the PUC has allowed PG&E to increase their rates to pay for these fines. And despite the fact that, that PG&E is involved in a number of fraudulent rate issues, the suppression of solar residential uh, use, the PG, our electrical rates in California are now three times the national average and going up to the point that there will be people uh, in the Central Valley who cannot afford air conditioning uh, to keep themselves safe. And I have yet to find a single reporter or politician who is willing to take PG&E to task over specific and documented fraud issues and general uh, exorbitant rates. So even our uh, even Representative Levine, who had uh, pending legislation, seems to have dropped this. I have not been able to get any single reporter or politician to address the rate issue. And well, I'll Paul, take my comments off the air. Yes, thank you for sharing that and for raising that. And, and Mike Ramsey, Paul's comment is also just reminding me of some of the comments even from the people 
from family members who lost who lost loved ones talking about just I mean the idea that they will have to through their rates also pay for the mistakes of PG&E. It's been discussing that what you have or what our investigation showed is some of those rate increases uh PG&E got the money for capital improvement and then did not spend it on the capital improvement that they had promised the CPUC that they were going to spend it on. So there was some fudging uh, and maybe fraud uh, going on in the sense of those rate cases. In other words, making a case before the CPUC to allow rate increases. And I think it's worth noting that... That $13.5 billion settlement with fire victims, half of it's going to be paid in cash, um, but half of it will be paid in the form of PG&E stock, which is an incredibly rare arrangement in a bankruptcy. And what the fear is among the most cynical survivors that I've spoken to is that they are going to be uh, sort of tethered to the company. Um, And and that will enter the conversation, whether it's about a public takeover of the company or rate increases to the caller's point, uh, that essentially that they will be used um, effectively as shields um, against some of these outcomes that PG&E does not want. Well, let's talk with a survivor. Will in Santa Rosa join us. Hi, Will. Yes, thanks very much. Um, I've been very concerned regarding the bankruptcy proceeding and how PG&E is not restructured to address their issues into the future. Uh, The bankruptcy proceeding did not tie their financials to outcomes and performance regarding wildfire mitigation. And that has really been a huge missed opportunity to enforce things in the bankruptcy court to ensure that the company is aligned towards safety. And that is going to be very detrimental for the public and particularly the victims of the fires moving forward. I mean, PG&E did not call one witness in the bankruptcy proceeding to talk about how they're addressing wildfire mitigation. They did not call anyone to explain how they're going to get right with the law and start to perform in a more lawful way. Um, You know, repeatedly, they seem to be given this deference to uh, their own business judgment when clearly um, they do not deserve it. And uh, it's unfortunate because I think, um, you know, it puts Californians in a very difficult spot given COVID, given the increased wildfire danger, And, uh, you know, this puts a lot of the burden on the public and public entities to be able to uh, try to work with a non-restructured PG&E. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I should note that we did invite PG&E to join us, but they declined. Let me read a couple of comments. Michael tweets, what's the point of 84 guilty pleas when no one is going to prison? Is no one responsible? Imagine if the Nuremberg trials had ended with all the evildoers set free. Alan writes, why can't we change the law so the board or president of the company is held criminally liable? That would be a good incentive to change the culture of the company. One of the things I feel like we're we're all sort of talking about is also the backdrop or the unusual you know status of PG&E as a state regulated monopoly that that most of us cannot do anything about like we we don't have any other provider that we can go to as well i mean in so many ways we're we're all tethered let me go to anna in sebastopol hi anna hi um we had PG&E come here over the course of 4 years tag 
five times trees to be removed and they've never done it. So the fire mitigation is not happening. And I've been in touch with them every year. And now our trees are covered with tags of colors because over the course of those years, they've never removed one. There's a dead tree by a transformer and they are not removing it. So they're not doing their job. Anna, thanks. And and Mike Ramsey, I'm sure you've probably heard this as well. I mean, even with the plan and even with your optimism, this is still something that that it feels like a lot of people are are feeling like they're not seeing real action on the ground. And uh, absolutely. And one of the uh, items that was done yesterday or one of the issues yesterday at the very end of my presentation, my argument to the court was a clear warning on the issue of who is going to be responsible. Uh, you know, corporation can't go to prison. As judge had indicated that if uh, it was a person, they'd be going to prison for 90 years. 90, yes. And in this instance, we could not find, because of the culture of um, siloing various departments, the culture of uh, doing decisions by committee, it was virtually impossible to find an individual that knew sufficient information and did sufficient action that led to the failure of the hook, which led to the campfire. What was important yesterday is it serves clear notice to the incoming uh, CAO and all executives that that cover is now gone, that they are now, as Lily indicated, they are now tasked with the knowledge of a lack of maintenance. And if that uh, death occurs because of that knowledge of a lack of maintenance and a lack of action, then individuals, executives, are going to be looking at murder charges. Well, Susan writes, I don't think PG&E has changed at all. Actions speak louder than words, and they have not changed their culture, how things operate, done the safety work they need to, etc. And why should they? They've suffered very little consequences from their actions, and no one has been able to hold them accountable. You know, Lily Jamali, we're hearing from elected officials that uh, they're very concerned about this year's fire season, that it could be long, intense. Uh, we're facing very, very hot and dry days ahead. I think a red flag mm -hmm. warning soon. Um, and so... What can you tell us about PG&E's plans for this year's fire season for, for safety? Yeah, well, this is going to be an especially complicated fire season, not just because of the weather, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So things where, you know, you would normally evacuate people and put them into a large relief center together, that is a much more um, delicate and dicey process because of COVID-19. Um, in terms of what PG&E itself is doing, um, they have talked about they've stepped up inspections and tree trimming and um, also, you know, because of the fallout from the power shutoffs last year, um, they're also talking about how they're trying to make those shutoffs last uh, less time and be more targeted. So there's a whole host of, of issues that they have on their plate that they yes. say they're addressing. We'll see. And if I remember correctly, those... Uh the, the first PSPS shutoff was at the end of June, so, so we'll see where that goes. Right. Well, Mike Ramsey, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. Mike Ramsey, District Attorney for Butte County, and Lily Jamali, co-host and correspondent of the California Report. Thanks, of course, for being on as well. Thank you. I'm Mina Kim. Blanca Torres and Tina Lauberg produced this segment. Stay with us for another one. This is Forum.